I'm going to ask you a question that is going to fundamentally determine your life's course from this moment on. True statement, okay? How many of you believe that song that we just sang, that Jesus has the power to rise us up, to raise us up? Okay, here's the thing. We believe that in the abstract, but when we think about it personally, do you believe that God has the power to do a miracle in your life tonight? Because some of you are struggling and some of you have come tonight and you don't know whether you believe in God or not, but you came and you're not even sure why. Some of your marriages are struggling. Some of you are sick and dealing with COVID or other types of medical stuff. Some of you have loved ones who are sick. Others of you have messed up families. All of us carry something. And you need to ask yourself the question tonight, do I believe that Jesus has the power uh, that he's going to give me the same power that raised him from the tomb to work in my life tonight. So there's an old story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's a story about an attorney, a defense attorney. He was a well-known defense attorney. And he was uh, representing a guy that was accused of murder. And so at the end of the arguments, he stands up. Everybody was kind of, you know, on, on pins and needles waiting for him to deliver this dramatic closing statement. And he stood up, he looked at the the audience there in the courtroom and the jury, and he says, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have some fantastic news for you this afternoon. The person that is said to have been killed by my client has been found alive. And in 10 seconds, he's going to walk through those doors. Everyone in the entire courtroom turned towards the doors as the 10 seconds ticked by. Tick, 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 tick. At the end of 10 seconds, nothing had happened. And they're all like, what in the world is this? And they turn back to a smirking defense attorney who is looking at them. And he says, the mere fact that all of you turned to look at the doors is evidence and proof enough that you believe that there is a reasonable doubt whether my person, my client could have committed that murder. And so the judge, he sat down, the judge gave the final instructions. The jury was gone. The defense attorney was confident. He had sewn up this case. The jury was gone for 10 minutes and came back in. And the judge says, do you have, uh, you know, have you guys decided on the fate for this person? And they said, uh, do you have a verdict? And he said, absolutely. And he said, what is your verdict? And they said, guilty. And the defense attorney was shocked. Everyone filed out of the courtroom. The police officers took away the the person who had been accused of that murder. And the defense attorney began running after the, the, the person that had been in charge of the jury, the foreman. He says, how in the world could you have given us a guilty verdict? You know that everyone in that room was looking at the doors. And the foreman said, well, that's not entirely true. Every one of us was turned to the doors except for one of the jurymen who was looking at your client. And he wasn't looking at the doors. Now listen, friends, I'm going to deliver some truth to you tonight. And you got to listen carefully. Because if you miss what God is telling us through this book in Isaiah chapter 44, you are going to miss out on some life transformational, life 
giving information that God has, has given to us to hold on to, to give us the belief that Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead and the belief that Jesus is working through us with that same power that rose him from the grave. But you got to pay attention so you don't miss it. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 44, where you can turn in your Bibles and your mobile devices or follow along on the screen. Isaiah chapter 44, we're going to stand as is kind of our tradition here as we read God's word uh, and see what the Lord has to say to us today. Verse 24, this is what it says. This is what the Lord says, your redeemer and creator. I am the Lord who made all things. I alone stretched out the heavens. Who was with me when I made the earth? Okay, you may be seated. We're only going to go through four verses today, but this is in the New Living Translation. But in the NIV, I think I found that it says it better. It it really reflects the, the heart of the passage, I think, better. And this is what the NIV version says in verse 24. It says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spread out the earth by itself. There are two things that you cannot miss here tonight in what Isaiah is telling us from what God has told him. The first one is that he is the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens. Now, as a quick reading of this verse may not mean much to us in and of itself, but The interesting thing is that the Bible has been proved time and time again through archaeology and science. And something that was said almost 3,000 years ago, we could not possibly understand how incredible it is that Isaiah shared this with us 3,000 years ago. Because the evidence, scientific evidence for that statement wasn't found until the early 1900s, the early 20th century. When scientists discovered that that space is not static. And space is not void. In fact, we know scientifically, in fact, it's increased over the last several years. In 2016, scientists have come out and said that the universe continues, the space continues to expand at a faster and faster rate. Now, how is it that a guy could say that truth 3,000 years ago and it took science up until 100 years ago to discover that? That with his hands, he continues to stretch out the universe. It's amazing stuff that God created everything. There are billions and billions of stars and planets in this place that's called the Milky Way. I don't know why we named it after a candy bar, but we did. (laughs) And there are billions and hundreds of billions of other galaxies. And yet God continues to expand space and time. Amazing stuff. That's the first thing that we should grab from this text. The second is, is that he formed you in your mother's womb. Listen, the God who created you knows you better than anyone else in all of creation, in all of time, better than your parents, better than yourself, better than your significant other, better than your coach, better than your teacher, better than your children. Because he formed you for a purpose. He formed you for a reason. If you have never really looked into what happens through the, the formation process as a baby grows in, her, in, it, in its mother's womb, it's amazing. I mean, just the complexities and how things happen at just the right time so that the eyelids are parted at just the right time so that the eyes can see. My wife is 32 weeks pregnant right now. This is our fourth go around. And I'm still amazed at how God has created humanity in the, in the wombs of our mothers. 
Check it out. Don't take my word for it. Because God has created life. Uh, when we were struggling with fertility issues when we first got married, we went to one of the leading um, fertility doctors in the entire state. And in fact, in, in all of the United States, his name is Dr. Brown. He was an atheist when he went through training to help people have children. And so we went to him and he's like, you know, I was an atheist when I was, I studied with the very best doctors when, when IVF stuff was just starting in great Britain. And, um, I was an atheist. I said, well, what changed your mind? He said, what changed my mind is when I realized that I could do everything to provide a perfect environment for conception to happen. But the one thing that I couldn't do is create life. You were created in your mother's womb. God created the heavens. He expands the universe in space. And he creates the intricacies of a human inside of a mother's womb. If you can believe those two things and look at those two things, you will see the magnificence of a God who wants to intervene in your life today and bring power into your situations, in your struggles, in your hurts, in your sadness, in your brokenness, and in your faith. He wants to bring life to you today. Now, how do I know that? When I was, uh, when we were getting ready to have gas, listen, any of you firstborns in here? Okay, I am a firstborn. Any of you, you know, youngest born in here? Can we just boo these ungrateful siblings of our... I'm just kidding. Listen, I'm going to pick on the oldest for a second, right? My wife is the youngest, and she said that when her sister was born, there's like 10 photo albums of her growing up, and there's like three pictures of my wife. That's what she says. But really, when, when we were getting ready to have Gabby, we did this new thing called the 4D, so we could see her little face. And the first time we went, we didn't do that for any of the other kids. They're like, hey, just suck it up. You're going to get a sonogram. Okay. So, but with my, with Gabby, we took him to get her 4D and she's sitting there and, the, and she wouldn't look at the camera. And so she's like, look, you guys are going to have to come back, eat something to, you know, wake your child up. So we left and we came back another day and Erica's, I'm like, look, we're getting ice cream because you're, you need to wake this baby up. So we got her a, a frosty at Wendy's and then we went in and sure enough, Gabby, we didn't know her name yet, but Gabby was wide awake. And interestingly enough, she was licking the umbilical cord <laughs> because babies can taste, Right. So I know that as God creates life inside of a mother's womb, that they are, we are uniquely and wonderful made, and there's no one who knows you better than your creator. And friends, I also know this. God is not confined by human wisdom. Verse 25 says, I expose the false prophets as liars and make fools of fortune tellers. I cause the wise to give bad advice, thus proving them to be fools. So when I was in Bible college as a freshman, there was a brand new Disney movie came out that eventually would play at the dollar theater that I would take five dates to because it was a dollar for like three years. It was called Aladdin. Anybody ever see Aladdin? So my uh, kids are just now on the cycle. We're watching Aladdin. And so all the songs are coming back. But the genie is the most powerful thing in the universe, right? His quote is that as a genie, he has phenomenal cosmic power in an itty bitty living space, right? The genie can do anything because he's all powerful, but yet he has to live inside of a lamp. And the thing is, friends, is you and I like to do that with the God who created the heavens and the earth. He has phenomenal cosmic power to create all things. 
but he can't intervene in my life because he's not powerful enough. We put the the handcuffs on God. We limit God. We say God can't because why would God care? But you're talking about the God who created and stretched the universe and the God who creates in our mother's wombs and the God who intervenes in our life, who who knows us better than any other person or being in this world. You think that that God doesn't care about you? He took all of that time to make you into who you are, to give you a personality, to give you a background, to give you a sense of humor, to give you intellect, to, to, to be writing out your story. You don't think he cares about you? You don't think your life matters to him? I'm here to tell you, if God is going to create the universe and set the, set the table for us that way and create an incredible world for us to live in and, and give you birth and give you personality, listen, he cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about your story. He cares about your struggles. And he wants to speak to you today. And friends, prayer has to be more than a ritual we go through. And more about a life-changing conversation that we have with the creator of the universe. But the prognosticators and the cynics will tell you this is just life. This is just the hand you've been dealt. So just accept it and move on. God cannot help you. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. And you see it all the way through the Bible. All the way through the examples. Listen, the Bible is filled... uh, with screwed up people who make stupid choices and the writers don't protect us from that. That's one of the way we know that the Bible's real, right? They're not trying to, to sugarcoat it. They're telling us these are people who made stupid mistakes. But we also see in there that this is the same God uh, who wants to work in your life. This is the same God who gave Abraham a son at the young age of 100. This is the same God who has brought Isaac a wife at the age of 40 from his own clan when they were living in a distant land. This is the same God who protected Joseph when he was sold into slavery by his brothers who were jealous of him and who used his dire circumstances and hardships as a platform for him to become the prime minister of the Egyptian empire. This is the same God who used a disgraced adopted son of Pharaoh of Egypt to become the leader of the Hebrew nation at the age of 80. This is the same God who forgave a shepherd boy turned king who took the wife of another and disgraced his kingdom. This is the same God who took a young Jewish girl who was living in a foreign land and helped her become the savior of the Jewish race when she gained the heart and affections of Xerxes, the king of Persia. And this is the same God who stood in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's the same God who closed the mouths of the lions when Daniel became an involuntary uh, cohabitor with them in that lion's den. This is the same God who chose a young teenage girl to become the mother and savior to the, a mother to the savior of this world and friends this is the same god who has intervened in the lives of men and women for thousands of years and he still intervenes in lives of men and women and children today the greatest mistake that people make 
is not forgetting to add God into the equation. It's forgetting that the equation doesn't work without God. So friends, God is not surprised by anything. Your circumstances right now, He knew you were going to go through it. He knew that we have free will. He gave us free will and He knew that we were going to make mistakes and we were going to cause damage to ourselves because at times we're just stupid. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you're just, never mind, let's not do that tonight. But listen to what he says in verse 26. He says, but I carry out the predictions of my prophets. Do you know why God is telling this? Because God knows the future. In Jeremiah chapter 29, he is writing to the nation of Israel. And he says, for I know the plans I have for you. You know what God is telling me? He's telling me that God knows the future of all of us. And he knows the future of his people. And guess what? If you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are one of his people. These have been a a tough few years, haven't they? I had a friend say to me recently, you know, I'm really scared about having my children grow up in this culture because it's gotten so crazy and I wonder if they're going to be safe in this world. Now, maybe that's not how you're feeling or maybe that is how you're feeling today, whether it's for your children or your grandchildren or your great grandchildren. But let me tell you a story from first Kings chapter 19. It's about a guy by the name of Elijah who was the prophet of God, who was fighting the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he goes to him and says, let's see which God is the living God. And I'll meet you on Mount Carmel and we'll see which God answers. And on Mount Carmel, the living God responds and he brings fire from the sky that destroys and eats up everything on the altar of Elijah, even the stones and the water that was poured over the, the sacrifice. And he was there when the people of Israel chose the living God over the idols of Baal and Asherah. And he was there when the prophets of Baal and Asherah, who had been causing so much destruction in Israel, were put to death. And then Queen Jezebel, not a good name if you're looking for baby names, I wouldn't name them Jezebel. But Jezebel sends a message to Elijah and says, I'm going to kill you for what you did to my false idols. And Elijah, who had just been on the mountaintop with God goes into the valley and sinks into deep depression and asks God to take his life. And God said, come here, buddy. Walk up my mountain. We're going to have a little conversation. And he says, look, I know that you're upset. And Elijah's like, I'm the only one, God. I am the only one left who is serving you. And God said, you are the only one that you know of that is serving me. But I have put away 7,000 people in the land of Israel who have never bowed down or kissed the idol of Baal. And you have no idea what I'm going to do yet. And friends, sometimes I think we need to be reminded of that. And so let me tell you just a little bit. This week... There was a passion conference at the Ocean Center downtown Daytona Beach where 5,000 teenagers came to lift up their voices to worship God Almighty and listen to what people had to teach them about what it means to be a follower of God Almighty. I want to show you a picture, but we aren't allowed to because of, of live streaming regulations and things like that. The weeks before that, there have been thousands of teenagers who have come from all across the country to go to CIY conferences, Christ in Europe, to worship the one true living God and to bow down before him and to give their lives to him. And some of them go into to Christian ministries just this summer. Thousands of youth. There was, um, my wife was trolling through Facebook recently and she came across what 
uh, a youth minister who wrote, who lives in North Carolina, who spoke about these fears that we have today. And this is what he wrote. I don't know anything about him except what he wrote right here. He said, don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids because the world they're growing up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. So raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know that they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution and he knew Jesus could handle the cross. Guess what? He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. In fact, he created them specifically for it. So don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the greatest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniels and Davids and Esthers and Peters. Raise children who know Christ's character and strive to live like him. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with the mess in this world. He has an army that he's raising up to drive back the darkness and to make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything beside our sweet little babies. And we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. But they were born for such a time as this. Listen, friends, God is not surprised by anything. Listen to what he says in verses 26 and 28. But I carry out the predictions of my prophets. By them, I say to Jerusalem, people will live here again. And to the towns of Judah, they will be rebuilt. I will restore all your ruins. And when I speak to the rivers and say, dry up, they will be dry. And when I say of Cyrus, note that name. He is my shepherd. He will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. And when Isaiah writes this, friends, Judah is still free. It'll be another hundred years before the empire of the Babylonians conquers Judah. And it will be another 50 years beyond that before the Persian king Cyrus, who, by the way, is not a believer in the one true God, sends the Jews back to their homeland and helps them rebuild Jerusalem. And God names him long before his kingdom even exists or his name is known. Yet God gives them a glimpse of a better future. Friends, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what struggles you have, but God knows. He has a plan for you. He has a hope for you. And I want you to know tonight from his word that a ruined life can become a restored life. Long before Jerusalem is destroyed, long before Judah falls, God tells them it's going to happen. You're going to fall. And when you do, you're not going to feel like you're going to feel like there's no coming back from it. Your walls have been knocked down. Your treasury has been robbed and the glory of Jerusalem has been tarnished and ruined. But I who created the stars in the sky and you and your mother's womb can restore what has been ruined. How far is too far? How far is too far for you to go that you can never come back? There is no distance. 
Listen, the God that loves you, that created your mother's womb, that put the stars in the sky, there is no distance that is too far for you not to come home. There is no pit that is so dark that you can't find light again. Friends, I don't care if it was just today or last night. If you if you did something and you feel like you're not able to be here, listen, I want you to know that God loves you. He cares about you. His entire story is about redemption and hope and restoration. So there is no distance that God can't bring you home. Joe used this first couple weeks ago and I love it so much because it's from Joel and he says so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten he can restore what you've lost in Ephesians chapter 3 is what I'm going to leave you with today and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide how long how high and how deep his love is May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You are His, and He's waiting for you. So what are you going to do with that? Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your grace. Lord, I know folks in this room tonight, there are some who wondered if they were beyond grace, if they were beyond hope, if they were beyond restoration. But Lord, we know from the story of the the prodigal son, from the story of Peter being reinstated by Jesus, that there is never a time that the enemy can snatch us and take us outside of the reach of your grace. So God, restore us today. Help us to start living for you. We know that we're still going to have to battle the consequences of past choices. We also know (laughs) that you can heal us, heal our relationships, heal our lives. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for always being there for us. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you.